From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Eight fourteen on Wisconsin's Morning News this Friday morning. A wealth of riches here, embarrassment of riches, if you will. Like so many things, I want to get to here in the show. Uh, but let's uh, just start with any update here we have on the breaking news this morning. Senator Diane Feinstein of California has died at the age of 90. She's had health problems in the last couple of years. In fact, most recently, we were when she returned to the Senate, she had to be told, like, when it was her turn to vote, like, she was in bad shape. Right, right. Had been dealing with shingles or whatnot. 90 years old, oldest member serving in the Senate at the time of her death. Spent many of her final months in declining health. So what does this mean for the U.S. Senate right now? Just been looking up the rules of when you have a vacancy. And in California, it would be the governor who would appoint someone to fill that open seat. So it's not like the seat would flip, but you will have a vacancy at least for some time until that position can be filled. The U.S. Senate right now is essentially 5149 Democrat. There are a number of uh, two or three Democrats. Independents, I suppose, who caucus with the Democrats. They're right. considered to be reliable Democrat votes. So this wouldn't flip the balance of power in the U.S. Senate by any means. You also have Menendez, who could end up being forced to resign on the Democratic side. Uh, but in that case, then you'd have the governor of Texas, right, appointing that position. Uh, New Jersey. Te- oh, Jersey. That's right. I was getting it mixed up. So, uh, again, that that seat wouldn't flip either. So this doesn't, doesn't do anything for... Uh, the balance of power in the U.S. Senate, if you're curious about how that stacks up. But a longtime senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, dead at the age of 90. So ABC News on top of that. I think NBC was first to report it, but uh, that has happened. And we'll keep you up to date on exactly what moves, how that moves forward in Washington. You seem like you're in a decent mood this morning. I wasn't sure how you'd be today. On given, the Packers? Yeah. Because well, it was so bad. <laughs> it was like... I've, Usually, how bad was how bad? it? Usually my, my – and folks always ask because Eric and I get up in the middle of the night to come to work. And for many of you who are early risers as well, these Thursday night games, even the Sunday nighters, the Monday nighters, they're, they're tough. Yeah, they can be, you know? yeah. So typically what I will do is I will I watch the whole first half, and depending on how things are going, I'll get into that first series or two in the second half and just have a feel of how things mm-hmm. are going. Um, but I didn't make it to the... I barely made it out of the first quarter last night. No, stop it. That's not fair yet, is it? I there was booing you last said night, there was by booing? the way. They got booed off at halftime. See, I didn't even make it that far because it, it was 24 to 3 when I went to bed. I was like, all right, nothing to see here. I thought there was no pressure on Jordan Love, yet we're but booing him off the field. That's fine. Hmm. Did they boo Jordan Love? Did they boo the offense? Did they boo the Packers? Did they boo just like, I think fans are willing to have expressed to us, I'm willing to watch this team grow. I'm willing to be okay. Like, hey, Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs his first year either. What was he, 6-10 and that year? His his first year where he was uh, as a starter? Yes, the guy. And that was coming off an NFC Championship year, right? Brett Favre's last season with the Packers went to the NFC Championship. We're on the doorstep of the Super Bowl once again. That team came back at 6-10 and under Aaron Rodgers. So fans, I think, have seen... Sparks of brilliance with Jordan Love. I think we're excited about him. And I think you saw a little bit of the up and down yesterday. I mean, there were a lot of things wrong. The offensive line was terrible. But Love did miss a few open guys here and there. There were a lot of Lions fans there, too. Yeah. My wife made that comment. She's like, boy, 
A lot of Lions fans in the house. <laughs> a lot of blue. I guess when your team is good, it's worth the effort. I'll tell you why that was, though. Again, the Thursday nighter, that's hard, especially if you're from our area and you're going to make the trip up to Lambeau Field, then you pretty much got to take Friday off because you're that's not home true. till midnight at the earliest, right? So that's a tough game to get to. And I'm not saying, look, how long did we wait for the Packers to be good, right, in Wisconsin? So, oh, I don't really, I might be, might not get enough sleep if I have to go to the game. <laughs> so I'm not, not making excuses for it, but a lot of folks just don't want to yeah, make that sacrifice. If you're a Lions fan who's coming to Lambeau Field, that's a trip, right? Unless you're coming down from the UP, but that's a trip. You're coming, you know, you're going to make a whole weekend of it probably. We're going to stay in Green Bay. It's an overnighter. So easy one for them to say, all right, well, we'll, we'll make that investment in the time. What's your take on the fan pouring the beer on St. Brown? I think it was the first touchdown. Jumped into the crowd because there were some Lions fans that had front row seats there in the end zone. And you see this hand like come out and pour a little <laughs> bit of beer <laughs> on him, right? <laughs> Well, well, first on on St. Brown, again, we got the wrong St. Brown. We had equanimous for, for quite some time, <laughs> now that he wasn't okay. But uh, his brother has been a far more outstanding performer for the Lions. But my next take on that is, again, with this guy, like we didn't have a plan for him because he ran rough shot over us he last looked, season. looked wide open. Both also. games, right? <laughs> so somebody guard that guy, okay? And then third, I don't know that's going to happen. Don't go up into the stands then in uh, at Lambeau Field. And by the way, what I'll say to that and. Not excusing it or anything like that. However, I bet that happens probably every time. If to our guys. Every, <laughs> Maybe it's, it's not just that you don't always catch it on the TV, but I'm, I'm sure there's been an opposing player who's had some beer thrown on him before. Well, and even our guys have, have said, like, I've yeah, jumped guess, in there, and like sometimes they just jump right on people, and they're, yeah, they're jumping holding, up and down, yeah, and the beers are up. Yeah. <laughs> Have a little of this. It feels a little bit better when you're on the receiving end of it <laughs> right? from the home crowd that's really pumped mm-hmm. up and celebrating. You feel like the sting in the eyes. I don't know what to take away from it other than I'm not overly bent out of shape, A, because I have lower expectations this season. I mean, I, what I would have liked is a little bit more competitive game. There's a lot not to like uh, about what we saw out of the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur's comments this morning, well, if I had an answer for that, you know, like then we would have done that. Yeah, he, I guess I can Jeez, appreciate man. his disappointment. Like, he <laughs> right. was definitely, he was really crusty after the game, which is better than if he was like, oh, no, I think we should promise and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, I guess you don't want him to come out there and be like, yep, guys, this was our best foot forward. <laughs> was, I think we played a really good game. We just hey, got beat by a better just team. really good, yeah. We to got that point, <laughs> and you've been, you've been helping me through this also. It's been hard. It's hard for us to believe because it's been so long, but the Lions might be for real. Yeah. And they might be one of the better teams, not uh, certainly in the division, but maybe in the entire NFC. That line, that defensive front is something. Oh. And I heard the point made last season, the season before, as you know, we were starting to talk about when is this Lions team going to start to to gain some traction? And they have drafted like number one, number two, or number three for like a decade, right, or more. At some point, the numbers of drafting that high. Every single year, have to start paying yeah, dividends. At some it. point, <laughs> you've got so like many it. good players. Still don't like it. I don't. I'm, I don't like it. Motown crazy. But that explains it a little bit. What they've been missing is a change in culture, and maybe they have that in Dan Campbell as their new head coach. Maybe they have that in their newer general manager that they've finally been able to. Because the culture boat, I don't care what you do, whether it's talking about a clubhouse or a locker room, whether it's talking about the water cooler at your office. Changing the culture of an organization is, you know, moving a big ship. It takes time. 
and it takes full buy-in from everybody. If a couple of bad apples in there that ruin things, that can that can happen. Yeah. So it takes a long time. Maybe they've found the culture shift that they've been looking for as they've been stocking up on good player after good player after good player for all of these years. Nonetheless, it's very clear who the pride of the NFC North is right now, and it ain't the Green Bay Packers. Sending you into the weekend here on Wisconsin's Morning News at 827 on this Friday morning. And if that sounds like so good to you, not that we don't all love the weekend, but if you're like, I can't handle one more day at work, you're certainly in good company. Global Think Tank called the Conference Board surveyed U.S. workers. And the headline of the survey was 34% of the American workforce saying their mental health is lower than six months ago, and it wasn't in a good spot then. In other words, we're increasingly miserable at work what is happening why is this why is this going on and and you raise the important question eric don't people always complain yeah about like it, when when how often do you ask someone how how's the job going and oh fantastic love it i love no. my job like right, right? don't everything's most, great at work don't you usually harness the negative sure <laughs> fair enough right and who wouldn't be who wouldn't rather be golfing or doing sure, whatever it is yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you do like your job right. Fair enough. This is really getting at like mental health. People okay. saying that my mental health is suffering because of how miserable I am at work. So it kind of takes it to that next level. And I talked with our WTMJ partners at LAK Group. You hear me talk about them uh, in our commercial spots. Local business consulting firm. President and managing partner Mike Grubich said they're seeing this on the local level as well when they talk with local workers. We're hearing from companies when we talk to their employees that Everything's a priority. Feels like every day they're chasing chasing squirrels is the phrase that we hear quite a bit, to be honest with you. What we're hearing from companies is between technology and how fast information is coming, and then with the younger generations and how they communicate differently than the, the older generations, that there's disconnects that are starting to happen, and, and people are really building anxiety around that. So it, kind of what he's saying is like, for a lot of folks at work, like everything's coming through the fire hose, right? There's a new emergency. Something new is on fire every day. You know, like, oh, it has to be done right yep, now. Yep. And then you code red, code red. Yep. Yep. And you put out that fire and then tomorrow you come in and like, here's something new we're trying. You're like, Gee, <laughs> man, so much change. Everything is in motion and people are getting overwhelmed by it. Now, Mike and I share a familiarity with a common phrase. <laughs> I don't know if this has happened in in your young athletic days, but a coach yelling at you to suck it up. Suck oh, it up, Bill Stead. Yeah, sure. Deal with it. My my football coach, John Richmond, for a thousand years was that was his suck it up out there. So Grubit said his kids would also tell you, like, that's a phrase they're pretty familiar with in the household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Old man telling right. you to suck it up. So I did ask Mike, okay, everybody's unhappy at work. My mental health. <laughs> Mike, is this legit or, or are we just now a generation or a couple of generations of complainers? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think, I think it's legitimate in the sense that you have to take it seriously as an organization. Uh, and, and if you feel disruption in, in how the organization is working together, you have to take that part serious. People are looking for alternative resources to help them manage their, their stress and their anxiety because things are moving so much faster and expectations are, seem to be higher than they've ever been, especially in the workplace. Well, and if it's, now, what, if it's affecting productivity, it's real, regardless of where it comes from, right? Right, exactly. And I think that's, if you, you can call it what you want to call it, 
Uh, but if, if, if it is, a, it's addressing retention, it's address, it's, uh, um, if absenteeism is a problem, if engagement is a problem, which the survey touches on all of those things, then it's something that you need to address in your organization. So that was my thing with him is like, okay, you can say that this is all, you know, a bunch of complainers mm-hmm, and people mm-hmm. are whining and they should be tougher, but like it's happening. So it's affecting your organization. Yeah, of course. Right. You're seeing a result of it. Now. So you, you can bury your head in the sand if you want, but at some point just telling the staff to, to toughen up, that's not working. Right. They'll quit and they'll find right. something else. Yeah. So what is Mike Grubich again from LAK group? What is happiness in the workplace? How do we find that? And then, and then how can managers help drive that in their workplace? Enjoyment, satisfaction, and purpose. And if you can get your people in the workforce to enjoy what they're doing, have satisfaction around it, and find purpose in it, you're going to see anxiety and the stress start to come down because people are going to be more happy with what they're doing. Um, that's one of the things I've seen. And the other is that organizations have a lot of great resources. There are a lot of people who have issues from a, a mental health element and the underuse of employee assistance programs, EAP programs is unbelievable. They, people just don't use them. And it's a great resource that most companies have that give people that free outlet to talk to someone about their mental health if there is, is a real issue there. Every company does that differently, but what he means by the, the EAP, Employee Assistance Program, like here at Good Karma Brands, we have a thing where if uh, any of our teammates here, if you have a mental health issue or a family member who would benefit from speaking with a counselor mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever, there are avenues you go through in applying for that. And depending on your company and the package you have, maybe a certain number of visits with a mental health professional are free. They will set you up. They will connect you with someone. They'll help you book those appointments. And then that is just part of your package here at work. Not everybody has those, but many do. And Grubich's point is most people either A, don't know about it, or B, never access it. Right. And so there is Or maybe are embarrassed to. Yeah, absolutely. And and depending, again, on how your company does it, most of that goes through a third-party vendor. So it's not like you have to go to your boss and say, I'd really like for the company to pay for me to see a counselor. I'd... That's hard to do, right? But you, most of these things operate outside that realm. So another resource for you in, in the workforce, uh, check in with your company on that. So a lot of good information there from Grubich. He and his partner, Mike Milstead at LAK Group, they have a book tailored to finding happiness in the workplace. The book is called Career with Purpose. And I talked with Mike about the book as well. So there's a lot more information uh, from our conversation on all of this about the workplace. You can check it out in podcast form. More about your personal career journey as well. Text the word WORK. To the Old National Bank talk and text line, it's work to 855-616-1620, and I will send you the link to the podcast. 833 on Wisconsin's Morning News. The clock is ticking, Vince. Why is it ticking? The clock is How do ticking we get down. All eyes... All eyes. All of the eyes? Are on Capitol Hill, the government shutdown. Why do you do that to me? You know that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it. All eyes are on the clock. As uh, Saturday night is when uh, we have our government shutdown. Because if a deal is not done yet, if they can't figure out the payment and budget of all this different stuff, then we'll shut down the government. Now, so like if- the Smithsonian stays open on Saturday, but like Sunday morning. Yes. So if the shutdown could talk, here's what it would say. I am inevitable. Yes, it seems like that, doesn't it? I get emotional thinking about it. Uh, Yes, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, Kevin McCarthy is not Iron Man, and they will not be able to fix this. At least that's what most lawmakers 
are saying. They're trying to figure out how they can do this. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's plan to get a short-term spending proposal on the chamber floor today to avert a shutdown is now facing new resistance from fellow Republicans. So McCarthy says, hey, don't worry about it. We do have other ideas. In this job, you got to have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Yeah, other plans, other plans other than just plan A or plan B. But House Freedom Caucus members are saying... F you. Yes, they're pushing back at all of this. So here's where this stands <laughs> Is that what now. They said? Yes. McCarthy getting really frustrated with Congressman uh, Matt Gates from Florida. Well, then stop trying to deal with him and reach across the aisle to some moderate Democrats. All right. Well, and mute him. Well, that's what they kind of did. Like half in the a dozen Senate. or so others over there. Like, well, so Gates is overplaying his hand here again. Agreed, and McCarthy is falling for the bait. So when they stop the bills from coming up, and, he's, and if he votes against the continuing resolution, it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's, it's not my fault. Good, what oh. me? You, you <laughs> see, when you're the leader, I don't know if you can always finger point. Right. Sometimes you got to own that one, or you got to wrangle with your it, right? peeps. And if you right? can't, then you shouldn't be in that chair. Yeah. CNN reporting that a closed-door meeting was taking place. McCarthy and Gates were kind of getting into it, yelling at each other, trying to figure all this stuff out. And other Republicans got frustrated, too, calling Gates a quote-unquote scumbag. <laughs> it's one of the terms they used. Wow. To. <laughs> so that's how it's they feel. not good when that's flying in your uh, own caucus. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, McCarthy does think they'll be able to come up with some more plans. So where does this put us now? They're racing to a deadline, 12.01 a.m. Eastern Sunday. They're racing like they're in one of those family cookout three-legged races with blindfolds on, and they're all running in different directions. So not a lot of progress is expected with that dynamic at play. <laughs> so, nope, no progress there either. Decent analogy. So what are the odds they get something done by Saturday night? You're more likely to uh, go to the ER for a pogo stick-related injury or become the president right, of the United those, States. So, <laughs> those, those are the odds for Powerball, right? <laughs> yeah, so okay. that's not quite the same, but... Close enough. Anyway, so the problem now is who's going to be affected. Well, it'll be about 4 million federal workers who could go without a paycheck. About half of them are military troops and personnel. The Pentagon calling a shutdown, quote, the worst case scenario. This also affects national parks, passport offices, which could close. And, of course, a program that helps feed 7 million women and children who do not have a place to go. So that is all on the table as they continue to bicker and figure out a plan in Washington. An important point on the pay for federal workers. What usually happens is once things get resolved, back pay, yeah. they'll get back pay. So they will, it's not like they're going to miss it. That said, for folks who are paycheck to paycheck, it's no small thing yeah, to right. wonder, when is this going to end and how am I going to pay my mortgage you would think that generally history would indicate it wouldn't last too long, maybe a week at most, but it sure seems like it's going to happen no matter what. Point's also been raised if you're not a federal worker, but you're a contractor with the federal government and you don't get paid, sometimes they don't get back pay. So some folks could be point. out some as well. 845 on Wisconsin's Morning News. the producer of Wisconsin's Morning News, and he got his nickname, folks always ask. He used to work at the Pancake House on the South Side, which is no longer in existence. It's been bulldozed. We don't think that has any relationship to the work. I mean, I wasn't there when it got raised. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. But there's no I evidence left. to indicate that he wasn't part of the problem. <laughs> 
Every week we have great ideas for the show. Some of them make it in, some of them don't. So we assign Greg to whip up a little something with the leftovers here on this Friday morning. Is the pancake breakfast special. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Most Tavern, most speaking. Uh, yes, I'm looking for a Mrs. O'Problem. First name, B. Uh, yeah, just a minute, I'll check. Uh, B O'Problem, B O'Problem. Come on, guys, do I have a B O'Problem here? You sure do! <laughs> the lost art of the prank phone call. Thanks to caller ID and the refusal by basically any millennial to actually answer the phone, the anonymity and basic immunity to any real consequences has been squandered. So let me ask, if you were to prank call anybody in the entire world, who would it be? Ooh, good question. Wow. Man, I'd, it, when I was a kid, we never pranked anyone specific. It was just like whoever. We'd sometimes dial up number. random numbers. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I'd ha- say maybe the president. You can't nailed prank it. Call the president. How about the formal pr- a former president? What'd you just say, Vince? You can't prank call the yeah, president? Yeah, you can't. Oh, that, maybe we should speak to Jason Rockman, a radio show host. In Montreal, Canada, right, Rockman. who did this with his co-host on the radio station Energy. How did they do it? Well, through going through channels, speaking with members of the former president's inner circle. That former president, by the way, per- former president Donald Trump. They eventually got to enough details, and this is my favorite detail. They ended up speaking with a front desk member of one of Trump's private golf clubs. Somehow, through six degrees of Kevin Bacon, they actually got a hold of the former president himself. Something the federal government can't even do at times. Yet these radio show hosts pulled it off. So what was their angle? Of course, it was to impersonate Clint Eastwood. Take a listen. It's not Kevin. It's Mr. Eastwood. Kevin passed me his phone. That's great. How's Clint doing? How's he doing? He's a great guy. Uh, It it is Clint. It's it's Mr. President. It's Clint right now. Kevin passed me his phone. Okay, so there's already a misunderstanding. Like, who am I talking to? Is it Clint Eastwood? So this is like, try to clarify it. Oh, yes, oh. yes, Mr. President. Oh, yeah. you, sound, you sound like about 30 years old. Yeah, so that's how this prank <laughs> yeah, call well. is going <laughs> oh, so far. Oh, Lord. But they entertain it. So, I mean, like, first of all, Clint Eastwood impression? It is Clint. Uh, it's Mr. President. It is, it's Clint right now. Kevin passed me his phone. Okay, like, I get it. He played Dirty Harry, but that's a character. Like, that's, that's not how he talks all of the time. He's not stuck in that role. So, again, that was Clint speaking to the President Trump, uh, talking about a fighting movie coming up that he's participating in. And who better to promote a fighting movie than former welterweight and middleweight UFC champion George St. Pierre, who ended up just being the co-host. The co-host introduced himself to Trump as GSB. Dana, of course, and being the ambassador of the UFC, he wanted to say hello. Let me let me see if I can get him. One moment. Okay, good. Good. Oh, is he there? Okay. Oh, hello, Mr. President. Okay, like a little closer to Pepe Le Pew than actually George St. Pierre. Oh, worst hello, Mr. President. Time. Yeah, so um, that's where we're going. Oh, hello, Mr. President. For reference, here's actually what George St. Pierre sounds like. I'm very glad you won that fight, Matt. <laughs> But uh, I'm not impressed by your performance. Yeah. And I look forward to, to fight you in the near future. Yeah, exactly. We're not really impressed either. Oh, hello, Mr. President. Yeah, again, like not even close. So we continue. The conversation goes on. Trump talks about his indictments, you know, this, the state of the country, kind of his normal narrative that he has when he appears on shows and things. The hosts try to keep him on track and without anything else left to say, because it doesn't really go anywhere, fake George St. Pierre hits Trump with this. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the phone to uh, Mr. Eastwood. Just, uh, ju- 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 just one last thing for you, Mr. President. Um, actually, you're, you're on the radio now on en- en- yeah, Energy. 
<laughs> Did you hear it at the end? Yeah, that's. that's it, uh, then this is what Trump had to say. It sounded a little hokey. Okay, what? Well, to be honest. <laughs> so he's not, it did sound hokey. It's not good. <laughs> to be honest. It is not even good. So honestly, like, credit to Trump. He kind of took it like a champ. This was the big reveal again. It was a prank call, Mr. President. Yeah, no, I know. It sounded a little bit hokey, but that's okay. That's okay? Uh, I've, I've had that before. You've had that before. <laughs> good on you, Donnie. Just he's be like, kinda yeah, like, just kind of deflected. Did his old Teflon thing. But, like, I was wondering, a former president facing a multitude of indictments, federal charges, gets prank called by a radio station and no one hears about it? And I thought to myself, when I listened to it, it's because this prank call was terrible. It was awfully executed. There's no way you could do better than that. So, but again, credit to Donnie. Took it in stride. And this is how the phone call ultimately ended. But that's okay. But have a good time, fellas. You just take care of yourself, okay? I mean, it, it, there you go. Good like, sport, actually. Good sport. Totally good like, sport. To, to try to be punked by a, a, another country's radio show. By the way, too, like, just that's... And it's Canada, so the FCC doesn't have regulation there. You cannot call somebody and not tell them that they are on the radio. That is super illegal. Ooh. For a little peek behind the curtain, you are not allowed to do that. <laughs> Under the FCC, of course, but it's cool in Canada. So, like, again, like, way to go, Trump. You did it. You took it a stride when, in reality, the phone call, you could have ended it like this. You've done a hell of a lousy job. I'm sorry. You're fired. Get out of here. WTMJ forecast is sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. How about the weekend? 77 the high on Saturday, Sunday's high 79 under sunny skies. Got to get through today. It'll be partly cloudy with a high of 70. And right now we're at about 66 degrees in Milwaukee. Last thing before we leave you and hand you off to WTMJ now, Steve and Sandy are up next. How's the Ryder Cup going, Eric? Pretty good. <laughs> it's going. Team USA and Team Europe battling it out. This thing is starting at 12.30 a.m. our time today, the three-day event between the best golfers in Europe and the best golfers in the United States taking each other on. And it's uh, it's been ugly so far. The afternoon session is out after Europe swept the morning session, so they're up 4-0. And right now we have one match that's not even close, so Europe's definitely going to win that. So they'll win the day for sure. We have one match that's tied and then another couple that uh, might be in contention. But this pretty much sums up the Ryder Cup for day one for Team USA. So any golf fans looking forward to a great weekend? Hmm. (laughs) Better go out and play golf instead of watch it. Boat race. Still plenty of golf left to be played in Rome. 